Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. totally spooked out from that intro alone and you're still listening boy are you in for a treat it's true i am so excited for this episode there will be no cancer no can there no evidence of disease in this episode <laughs> it is cancer free that's right oh. and you know, we wanted to do something that's just fun for our listeners who have plotted along with us through all of this cancer talk. This is your reward. And for all of our close friends who pretend they listen, but really don't because it's about cancer. That's right. <laughs> and they can actually listen and be like, oh, this one's for you. See what your vibe. This is for you guys. <laughs> um, so, yes, all of these ghost stories you're going to hear are from listeners. They are all told from a area of truth as far as we know. I mean, the people who told us believe that this happened. You may believe whatever the hell you want, as will That's we. That's right. Mm-hmm. 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 And I'll tell you, they're scary. They are. They're spooky. And I love Halloween. I love spooky season. And so I have been looking forward to this since you came up with the idea. Did I come up with it? Oh, I did. You in the did. last episode. I you f- did come up with it. I feel like every idea that we have is together stuff. Well, that's generous. But this one was all you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is so fun. I love this stuff, too. And we I I haven't read all of these. The ones I've read. Um, but yeah, so before we get to reading them, do you want to talk about briefly our own or do you want to do those at the end? Let's do them now. Let's do them now. That was a joint idea. See how we do that? We both (laughs) came up. (laughs) It's a real team effort, this podcast. Yeah. Um, but Steph, I mean, get some of this spooky music in here first, just for, I mean, Corey J. Brewer, our friend, our mutual friend. That's right. That's right. King of spooktacular music. Spooktown himself. Um, he wrote this music and it's so wonderful. And we'll put it in the show notes where you can find it. He writes amazing soundtracks of audio scariness. <laughs> I'm going to go on his business cards. <laughs> That's why I got fired from my old job as a music writer. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, thank you, Corey. So, anyways, Steph, do you want to tell me something? I, I sure do. Okay. Okay, so I used to live in this um, big old house in Bellingham, Washington with a bunch of roommates. It was um, very much a relic of the early 2000s mm-hmm. punk rock house. We all lived in this house at one time <laughs> or another in That's one right. city or another. That's right. The uh, doors didn't really function the way they were supposed to. It was very creaky. Mm-hmm. Um Lots of weird nooks and crannies. And my roommate and I were upstairs getting ready for friends to come over. We had invited some people over. And it was shortly after we had moved in. And we had a big, wide porch um, that you, the type of which you might be familiar with, Amy. It's just a The type of which? Sorry, sorry, I had to take my shot. Go on. (laughs) It was, you know, partially rotting, and you could really hear it when people walked up the steps and walked onto the porch, Mm -hmm. and then our door is one of those big old heavy doors, and so you could totally hear when people arrived, and we were upstairs. I actually uh, lived in a room that had a random, um, it was like a window, but there was no glass, so... (laughs) It, it overlooked like the stairs. A <laughs> it was just a hole, okay, a square on, hole. Okay, but in the, in the house. Inside okay, the house. I get yeah. it. Okay, I, was, I thought you were just nicely describing the <laughs> hole in your wall that, with like snow coming in. <laughs> when I said we lived in a house, what I meant was we lived in a burnt out shell of a building. Yes. No. <laughs> um, but you could, it, it overlooked the stairs. So gotcha. you could really hear everything mm-hmm. that was happening downstairs. So my roommate and I are getting ready and um, we hear our friend like walk up the steps, walk onto the deck, um, knock on the door and my roommate's like, just come in. And so we hear the door open and, you know, close again. And um, I ran down there to say hi, and there's nobody there. So I look in the kitchen, and I'm like, where is she? And she's nowhere to be found. So I'm like, did she run back out to her car or something? Mm-hmm. What, where is she? She is nowhere to be found. And I'm standing there like, where the hell did she go? And then she arrives. She walks. I see her walk up the steps onto our front porch. Mm-hmm. And she sees me through the window, waves, and just opens up the door. And I was like, where Where did you go? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, where did you go? You, were you just here? And she was like, uh, no, I just... And I was like, no, I heard you. Come in and open the door. Did yeah. you go back out to your car? And she was like, no, I didn't go back out to my car I just I'm arriving now (laughs) and so we were all like that's so weird so my we didn't really think much of it but Mm -hmm. you know after after that happened it was kind of just like oh weird must have been hearing things kind of situation and um we go out and come back later that evening and we are all kind of putting our stuff down we turn on the lights and we walk into the kitchen and turn on the kitchen light and the kitchen light immediately goes off so we're like shit did it like blow a light bulb or something so I try you know flipping the switch and nothing happens and then the lights in the living room come on 
Ooh. And when you live in these houses with no. a bunch of people, you're kind of like, is you assume the first thing is like one of my roommates is just in the other room. Right. So I look, there's nobody there. The light is on in the living room. No. And then the kitchen light goes on. No. So we're all like, oh my God. Yes. How many? It's people all are coalescing. With you? There are three of us. Okay. It's all coalescing now. That <laughs> the the footsteps on the porch, the door opening, we heard it all. Now the lights are are turning on and off. We're like, okay, this is legitimately scary. Yes. So we're all very freaked out. We relay this information to our other roommate who lives in the room next to mine when he gets home. We're like, dude, we we have a ghost. Yeah. And he's like, no, I, I know. Um, <gasps> yeah, I think the ghost lives in my room. What? And I'm like, what? Did you just forget to tell us about this? And he's like, no, yeah. Come here. I'll show you. <sighs> so we all go up to his room and he pulls back the curtains on his window And there are tiny handprints. What? On his went like like (gasps) you know, as as though a warm hand has just been on a cold window. What? And I'm like, oh okay, but did you just not wash your window? Yeah. Since we've moved in. And he's like, No, every time I wash it, the handprints just reappear. (gasps) And so we're all like, okay, he's fucking with us. So I go get a paper towel and the window cleaner. Oh, and my I gosh. And I come back up to the room and I spray it and sure as shit, <gasps> clean the window. And slowly we watch the handprints reappear. That is psycho. Whoa. And so we just assume that there was a child ghost living in our house. That's... We made peace with it. We named her Miriam. Lovely. And anytime something would go wrong, we would <laughs> assume that it was her just kind of messing with us. Oh, my and God. Those handprints were the scariest thing. And they really did never go away. That I don't know. so crazy. I don't know if they're still there. I hope that they are. I hope Miriam is doing well. You should, because it's October, the spirit of... Halloween, you should mail a letter to that house if you still remember the address with no return address and just ask if the, like, say, go up and look at the window and describe where it is. And then if they are still there, that would be so scary if you live there. It's so scary. Oh. <gasps> oh my God. That was a great story. I love it. Is this the house you- that you lived in with the person I know from Seattle? It is. Can I say who the person is? Because we have so many mutual friends. (laughs) Yeah, it's Frankie Chan. It's so funny that you used to live with Frankie Chan. I cannot believe it. He he knows a gazillion people that I know in Seattle and many people know Frankie. So was it was at Frankie's room? It was Frankie's (gasps) room. Oh my god. Well Frankie has some (laughs) small hands. He's not a huge guy. He could have been like eating some chicken one night from a really (laughs) greasy bucket and just kind of like. And he was so drunk that he forgot. Yeah, It's a a distinct possibility. Okay. Let me tell you um, the story that I know that I 
experienced, but I didn't experience it as directly, but I, I'll just tell it. Please do. It's creepy. So I used to work at a bar in Seattle. Um, it's called the Baltic Room. And there were some, um, there were a lot of tales of it being haunted. Um, I was a cocktail waitress there and the bartenders would work their free gears. Like we would sit after work, you know, and like have a shift drink and chat and they would tell me just different things and like point to areas where they saw things and like this bar is super super old and it's beautiful it's like dark wood everywhere and it's Mm -hmm. like you know this wooden stairway that goes all the way up to this balcony with like wooden rails looking down and I think it's like red carpets and big red thick curtains and stuff you know yeah it's really cool and I think it used to be a stable before it was a bar like where back in the you know like for horses yeah like back in the day like when you would bring your horse and buggy to town or whatever you would like go and put your horse there and then go do your stuff and then come back or I don't know whatever (laughs) the old timey Um, parking garage and and how this lends any credibility to the story whatsoever (laughs) other than the fact that like I know a fact about (laughs) historical (laughs) relevance of this place existing I don't know that has nothing to do with the ghost but um it's old though and the bartenders would be like I'd close alone it'd be like a Tuesday night so I'd be here all by myself and then and they'd hear hear a distant neighing (laughs) yes (laughs) a galloping and a (laughs) yes um (laughs) just cowboys getting off and spitting tobacco right into the cigarette (laughs) ashtrays of the bar okay I'm sorry um we would like sit around after work. I was a cocktail waitress and I would close with like a bartender or two and we would sit down and they would tell me like firsthand things that they had seen throughout years of working at this bar, you know, and like one of them told me about like a ghost walking down the stairs, but like I think it was something like she had no feet, like you could just see Ooh. to the bottom of her dress and then like she didn't have feet below that or something like this isn't my story this is just me setting the scene don't mm-hmm, worry mm-hmm. it's not like okay. it's not like I don't know exactly what they said it doesn't <laughs> matter but these were stories just kind of like that you know like oh there's a presence upstairs in the balcony that sometimes shows herself or whatever I was there once when a customer had asked my friend who was a bartender if the place had ever been um if anybody else had ever seen anything because she said that she was like psychic but she got a total vibe from upstairs that it was really haunted you Uh know it's like stuff like that so anyway setting the scene the place has got something going on so this one day this is the story this one day anyone that's worked at bars knows the dreaded cleaning party that happens like once or twice a year Where on like a Saturday afternoon, every employee has to come into the bar and scrub the shit out of everything. It's like the one time a year that Mm -hmm. you totally do the deep dive. And it was that day. I am such a dick. (laughs) And I went and played softball because we had a weekly softball game that my friends and I would always go and play. Um, Uh But I showed up late and... 
basically didn't have to clean anything, you know, and I was like, sorry. And as I showed up, everyone was like, oh my God, oh my God. I was like, what? And they're like, the craziest shit just happened. So I go and I sit down and I ask my friend Kristen what happened. And she is just like white as a ghost. And she's like, okay, they had a guy come to clean the mirrors here. Like you have to like actually, like the mirrors in the bathroom are like totally on in the bathroom you know but they were taking the mirrors off to replace them or something Uh huh. and they hired the same dude who had replaced them like a few years before or whatever and he came and he took them off and he's like I know these are my mirrors because my logo is on the back of them or whatever my stamp or whatever uh-huh. and he was like this was not here before come here and so Kristen and the other people go into the bathroom this is in the boys bathroom of the Baltic room behind and it does it say on the wall Amy is playing softball <laughs> <laughs> she's such a bitch um it did <laughs> it was just like um the scoreboard <laughs> it was yeah. like- Top of the seventh. She should be here soon. It's four to six. Like, um, no. It was like uh, behind the mirror on the wall where there had been nothing before was a woman who <gasps> you could see in the wall that if you went really close up to the wall, you couldn't see. It just looked like smudges on the wall. Like there were no distinct lines. It, there wasn't like it wasn't pencil it wasn't charcoal it wasn't paint it wasn't like they couldn't figure out even what it was because like when you're close up it's just kind of some strange discolorations but then when you back up a woman is just there clear as fucking day looking evil as a mother and I know this because I saw a picture of it they took a picture with a cell phone and eyes look there her mouth is slightly open and she even has like the little lip dip thing you know what what is mm-hmm. this thing called in the middle cupid's bow yes she's got that and it's creepy as all get up and her clavicle is like very apparent so oh my god even when you're saying like oh it's like water damage and it just like happens to look like you know like the cloud looks like john lennon you know like whatever but it's like <laughs> like she has fucking clavicles, okay? You know? So they were tripping out because it would be less scary if it was clearly charcoal or something. You know, if yeah. clearly someone had drawn and then the mirror guy was like, I hung this mirror 17 years ago. And like, you know, like it would <laughs> yeah. still be like, okay, grandpa, you know? But I think everybody was having this shared experience of like, this is psycho. But they put the new mirror on and I arrived five minutes later. So I didn't get to see this in person. So that's why this story is like, you know, it's not my firsthand thing, but I did get to see it from the cell phone photo. Mm -hmm. It was chilling. It looked like I did not want to look at it. I did not want a copy of it. You know, I think my friend, I think my friend might have actually deleted it from her phone because she didn't want it on her phone. But the bar manager guy had on his computer um, I tried to get a copy of it like a few years ago. This all happened in like 2004 or five, probably. Uh-huh. So this was so many years ago and I 
and everybody I asked didn't have a copy of it, but it's still that thing where they're like, oh my God, you know, and you bring it up. But I think it would be so good to somehow get to go there and take the mirror off now. Like, I don't know if they've replaced it again or if it's just, I don't know why you'd replace a mirror unless it breaks or something, you know? Um, Is she still there? Is she still there? And it's like, if she is, what the fuck? And if she's not, what the fuck? Where'd she go? You know? Yes. But yeah. So that's it. Give me a call, Ghost Hunters, or some... Is that a show <laughs> that does stuff like that? Oh, I'm sure it is. I think so. Yeah. Give me a call, and I'll tell you about my softball game, because I wasn't even there. They're like, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be who we call, bitch, but thanks. <laughs> Anyways, so that was my That's story. a good one. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I used to throw parties there, and Frankie Chan would DJ, so full circle right there. That's right. right. I mean, and every once in a while, you DJ, but... Let me get our letters out. I wonder if Frankie appears in any of these other letters. Maybe oh he's the God, ghost. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> he does have pretty prominent clavicles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So let's see here. Um, Gail Stummies. Oh, actually, this is a perfect segue to the first letter, which is one that I received. And, oh, this one came by way of one of our listeners, actually. And it's a bar story as well. Perfect. So here we go. She says, Savannah, Georgia. It's a great city. It's known for its beauty, its hauntings, and its liberal open container policy. (laughs) One microbrewery in particular named for the song in Breakfast at Tiffany's is known for being haunted and a good chocolate porter when I lived there. (laughs) Okay, so back when we were young without kids and cancer being something our parents get, but never us because we were young and healthy. Hey, we said we weren't going to talk about cancer on this episode. (gasps) Amy. Come on, Robin. (laughs) Um, This is from someone named Robin. Okay, so um, back then we went on a guided haunted bar crawl. Yes, you can go into a bar, ask for a drink in a to-go cup, pay for said drink and walk outside with drink in hand. When we arrived at the microbrewery, microbrewery, <laughs> there used to be horses parked out there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she goes on here to say that they are down there hearing some haunted stories from this like tour guide or whatever. And she starts dozing off, glazed eyes, drunken stare, and she sees the shadow of a pair of legs walk behind the pool table in the back room. Holy shit, I whispered to the husband of a friend. I think I just saw something. He patted me on the head and said, it's okay, you're a little drunk. (laughs) Fair. After this, um, the pub, okay, after this part, the pub crawl is led back upstairs. And she says, as I was getting that chocolate porter, I said to the bartender, anyone ever said anything about the back room with the pool table? A manager overheard, and he asked if I'd watched a certain ghost hunting show, which I hadn't. He nodded to the bartender, who said, Yeah, we don't know who the legs belong to. Sometimes the pool balls will move. Sorry, I use that way. Okay, I'm sorry. He said, Yeah, we don't know who the legs belong to. Sometimes the pool balls will move, too. Oh. 
as I held out my credit card to pay for my beer, he shook his head and said, it's on us. And this was written to us by a wonderful person named Robin. And she's on Instagram as Robin G. Stein with a Y in the Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. Um, or you could just look up Robin Anti-Pinkwash. And she's been sharing all these amazing um, conversations with pinkwashing companies. But we're not talking about cancer, so we're not getting into it. But go see what she's doing. That's right. She's, she's a calling treasure. people out. <clears throat> Anyway, cool. Thank you, Robin. Good one, Robin. Ugh, chilling. Okay, so here are a couple of stories from Kelsey, who is a friend of mine and um, a listener to the podcast. Thank you, Kelsey. She says, We live in a small cabin from the 1950s, deep in the woods next to the Puget Sound. It was built by a pair of well-known peace activists who lived well into their 90s and passed away in the last decade. We lived here once before when our son was a baby, and the only spooky thing that ever happened to us were signs of resident cougars in the woods. Nothing to be trifled with, but certainly not ghosts. Those cougars are a uh, real fear. There's one uh, all over my next door community right now. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Lots of cougar sightings. A week ago, my husband was sleeping in front of the fireplace in the living room on a makeshift bed he made after we had a dumb argument about, what else? Money. Mm -hmm. We are generally a pretty happy household, but funds are super tight this month and our pressure cooker of pandemic, money, health, stress boiled over before bed. I was pissed, so I tucked myself alone into the master. Our son was in his own bedroom and M was out in the living room. I awoke at 2 to 3 a.m. to his panicked voice calling my name. This is her husband's panicked voice. Mm -hmm. I ran into the living room and he told me from under the covers that he had awoken to the sight of a dark figure sitting on the futon facing him from across the living room. As he stared at it, it rose up, walked a lap around his floor bed then dropped a crumpled up note directly what? onto his chest. Stop. Then the figure glided right out of our closed, locked door into the night. Oh my god, I have, I have shivers. Oh my god. No piece of paper was found, but after being freaked out for a couple of days, I've come to think or hope that it was the spirit of one of the two original owners coming by to tell us to maintain peace and harmony in Aww. the home. After all, they were famous for it. At least I hope that was the message. Mm-hmm. And then she adds a footnote. Since this incident, I've also been having vivid recurrent dreams about finding money in books. Mm-hmm. There's a large, very old book collection at our cabin that belongs to the owners. Today, I'm going to go through the books to see if anything is in them. Who knows? Oh, update us on this. Yeah. And give us a cut. Yes, absolutely. Thanks Thanks in advance. Great. We also have a Patreon. Let's talk about... I'm just kidding. (laughs) I love this story. Ah, so scary. That's like the scariest kind of ghost story, I think, when the ghost is like interacting with you in some way and it's not just like weird things happening in your house. Oh, gosh. Okay. Story number two. Are you ready? Yes. This is also from Kelsey, right? Yep, also from Kelsey. Hit me. 
My in-laws are a wonderful clan of progressives who have lived in the Deep South their whole lives. When my mother-in-law, a historian and a writer, went to graduate school in Wilmington, North Carolina, they took their three youngest kids, quite a bit younger than my spouse, and their passel of dogs with them to Atkinson, a tiny Baptist burg nestled in the low country just inland from Wilmington. Being on a budget, they rented the cheapest place they could find, a crumbling 150-year-old home next to the railroad tracks that divided the town in half. Though he didn't tell the story to anyone else but his wife at the time, my father-in-law began to see a specter every night when he'd get up to go to the bathroom. A little backstory on my father-in-law. He's a devout Christian who is also autistic. Generally speaking, he A, doesn't believe in ghosts, and B, has no filter and is painfully honest. Mm -hmm. You know where you stand with him, and he isn't prone to storytelling. This is why I believe him. So, she goes on to say, as he reports it, the figure was a young girl who had dark hair and an old-fashioned pinafore-style dress on. She was also cut up and bleeding. Ooh. His colorful words included eviscerated. Did I mention he is a retired EMT slash firefighter? He's seen some shit. He finally told my mother-in-law, who he began waking up every night to accompany him to the bathroom, and would point out where he would see her, but no one in the family ever saw her but him, and the dogs acted pretty normal throughout this whole period of time. Eventually, as they settled into the community, they scaled up to a better rental and made friends at their local church. After they moved, a few locals cautiously asked them how it was living in the original house. Though my father-in-law never said anything about the girl, he and my mother-in-law would say that they simply didn't like it and were nervous about being that close to the tracks with kids and pets. One of their new church friends mentioned that the train track house is never occupied for long. (gasps) When my mother-in-law later looked into the history of the home after they moved out, she discovered that the original owners had young children, and one had died in a freak accident. She was standing right next to the glass window facing the tracks. When a train went by, a rock was thrown, and the glass exploded into jagged fragments, as those windows did back in the day. She didn't survive her injuries and bled to death. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This was years ago, and since they moved, my father-in-law hasn't had any nighttime visitors. Whoa. Oh, Kelsey. Kelsey. Oh, the train track house is never occupied for long. You should have used that voice. That was a <laughs> missed sorry. opportunity, Steph. Um, Kelsey... First of all, maybe all the money you're going to find in the books is actually that vision is some something inside you sh- telling you that you should write a book because you're a great writer. Seriously, such a good storyteller. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So good. Okay. This is actually a good one to follow that one because there's some similar things going on. Mm. Um, intrigued. So this is from my friend Brianna, who I don't think listens to the podcast, but will listen to this one. (laughs) Um, She was nice enough to send this. So she said, 
So my husband and I moved into this townhouse that was built in the 90s across from two houses built in the late 1800s in the town of Gold Hill. Gold Hill is my hometown. It's a very small uh, town of about a thousand people in Southern Oregon. I grew up there with her husband, actually. So she says the rent was such a fair price and it was perfect timing because my husband had just gotten done with college and moved back to town. Everything was great and we moved in. This was at the very end of July 2011. After a bit, I would get weird feelings sometimes. I felt like someone was watching me. Sometimes I would get this feeling in my bedroom upstairs, and sometimes it would happen when I would be in the living room downstairs. But I could kind of feel like I was getting watched from the stairs. I just shook it off as me being paranoid and watching too many scary movies. That is until one day everything changed and made me made my weird thoughts a reality. It was Easter of 2012, and the previous night, my husband had fallen asleep on the couch. That's so weird that we have another couch sleeper. Yeah. Now, I will try. We were arguing over money. No, I'm just kidding. Now, I will try (laughs) and wake him up. Um, But there's no way I'm dragging him upstairs if I cannot wake him up when he falls on the couch. So I sometimes just end up sleeping upstairs by myself. Um, most of the time he will wake up and come upstairs too, but there are times where he will just snooze all night. Um, this was one of those nights and he did not come upstairs. Listen, I feel like you really overexplained the reason he was sleeping <laughs> on the couch. It's okay if you right? fight. Like I know your husband, you, Brianna, Brianna I know okay. your husband. He's, he's difficult sometimes. All right, <laughs> Logan, you are, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay. So when I woke up on Easter morning, I went to the bathroom as usual. I was washing my hands afterwards and noticed something odd in the mirror. I had vivid handprints coming over my shoulders and on the top of my chest as if someone came behind me and put their hands on my shoulders with their fingers going over my shoulders from behind. The hands were much larger than mine and were space. there were spaces where the knuckles were. I took a picture and it was on my phone for a couple of years before it literally disappeared. Otherwise, I would send it to you. Everyone I told that story to or showed, showed the picture to would have a shocked look on their face and it would give them goosebumps. Fast forward about four to five months. It was another night my husband fell asleep downstairs because we were in a huge fight. Just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> I was sleeping upstairs when suddenly I wake up. Wide awake for no reason at all. I look at the doorway in the room and I see a silhouette of a man. My eyes were still adjusting to the darkness, but I remember seeing it so clearly. A shadow and a silhouette. It was a tall man with a solid build, which is how my husband is built. So I automatically assume it's my husband. So out loud, I say, babe, what are you doing? (laughs) Nothing. He's nothing but stands there. If... It wasn't necessarily still either. I could see slight movement. So again, I say, what are you doing? Nothing (laughs) happens. I suddenly realize it wasn't my husband and my heart sank to my stomach. And I yelled for my husband three times, super loud. The dark silhouette backed away from my doorway into the hall (gasps) And stood at the entryway to our spare bedroom. I didn't know what else to do, so I just rolled in the opposite direction and pulled the covers over my head and prayed. Oh, my God. (laughs) Then I don't know how, but I actually fell asleep. The next day, I took my... (laughs) 
I'm about to be murdered. Oh, I know. there's a ghost. You I'm know just what's gonna... crazy? I feel like <laughs> I've heard that like numerous times when people tell me really scary things that happen. They're like, and then I fell asleep. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> the next day I told my husband and he said he had never heard me yell for him. I don't know how he didn't hear me. I am pretty sure at this point my husband thought I was a little crazy. Okay. After the first two instances with me, my dad was telling me that a family friend of ours had lived there, but only for a year or so. When he told her that we were renting it, she asked if anything weird had ever happened. My dad told her my two instances, and she said she had heard some weird stuff that had happened, but didn't give any details, but that are, but that... but didn't I'm too scared to talk (laughs) didn't give any details but that was one of the reasons she had moved what yikes but when my daughter was about a year and a half old we had a little talker on our hands I decided to do one of those questionnaires for your kids that you do that you see going around on social media these have super normal questions like what is your favorite color food movie etc one of the questions was what are you afraid of i asked my daughter this question no expecting a normal answer from a toddler like spiders snakes bees nope right in front of both my husband and myself our daughter got this horrified look on her face and got silent so i said it's okay sweetie you can tell mommy and daddy She looked back at the stairs and then looked back at me and whispered, the man upstairs. Oh, my God. I don't like that. That's terrifying. I don't like that one bit. At this exact moment, I wanted to freak out slightly. My heart was in my stomach because I knew exactly what she was talking about. I looked at my husband and his eyes were big in surprise. And he later told me, it's one thing when you hear these stories from your wife and you're like, okay, babe. But when you (laughs) hear your toddler who doesn't know these stories, it's a little freaky. Um, So, yeah, that's Brianna's story. Thank you so much, Brianna. Um, And can I also tell you one quick story that's related to this one before we move on to the next one? Um, Because this one is also from Gold Hill, Oregon, from another person I know from growing up named Mindy. Yes. Um, And she actually called me one night to tell me this story because she knew we were doing this podcast and collecting stories. And basically, she moved in to a rental house in Gold Hill as well. And this one, for all you Gold Hillians, she lived in the house next door to El Rogue Cafe. Just mm-hmm, right to the mm-hmm. right of Love it. it. So the faucets would like turn on and things would fly off of the cabinets, like onto the kitchen floor and all the cabinet doors would be open. She told me in this house and she said that there was like something on the wall that looked like blood when they moved in. And she tried to clean it with all of these like cleaners and chemical cleaners and tried to paint over it. And it just like the stain just would keep oozing out and, and she couldn't get rid of it. Oh, All of this, like, really crazy stuff just kept occurring. And there was, like, deadbolts. They would lock a root cellar outside with a deadbolt. And then they would come home and the root cellar door would be open, but the deadbolt would be closed. You know, like, still closed on the door, but the door would be open. And that happened, like, a few different times. And she also said that, like, 
the furnace would just turn on with flames flying out of it. And then they would like get the furnace serviced. Yeah. And the furnace guy would be like, there's nothing wrong with this bed. <laughs> and then... <laughs> But anyway, so what's totally gets creepy about this story is is when the furnace guy was like, and here's your bill for eight hundred and fifty eight dollars. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> ah! Um, but all sorts of just really scary stuff happened. But one night it was so scary for her and she was pregnant at the time that she sometime in the middle of the night woke her husband up and was like, that's it. And got out of the house two in the morning, left the house and never came back. Like, that's how scared she was of all the crazy shit going on in that house. Oh, my God. And yeah, like he had to go get all of their stuff and she like wouldn't even go back to get the stuff. And she's like, I moved in with my parents. And if you know how I feel about my parents, then you know I was serious. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> anyways, so it's just kind of crazy that there's like two stories from Gold That's so creepy. Yeah. I think she also had something to say about somebody else who had lived there saying, so. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Mindy, I'm glad you don't live there anymore. Thank you for calling me with that. Um. Anyway, your turn, Steph. It is my turn. And this is a teenage romance ghost story from my friend Brett. Ah! Brett Sandstrom, thank you for your contribution. He says, teenage romances don't often come with swarms of mysterious bees, tales of UFOs, native artifacts, and haunted houses, but maybe the best ones do? Hmm. To tell this ghost story, I should start at the beginning, a couple years before I met my first love. I was running hurdles on the Meeker Middle School track and field. Routine warm-ups are nothing memorable, but when a swarm of bees clouds the sky, stinging and biting everyone what? in sight, the warm-ups come in handy when seeking shelter. I ran faster than I ever had at any track meet, and I found safety unstung but a bit shaky. The bees soon disappeared, as did my memories of that afternoon. Or so I thought. It was two years later when I was reminded of the horde of flying monsters on a late night long telephone conversation with Heather, a cool older girl with long blonde hair and flowing hippie skirts. Mm -hmm. Heather was my first high school girlfriend, and as it turns out, she was also the center of a lot of mysterious and scary phenomena. As she tells it, the bees appeared in her front yard one day, swarming a tree and refusing to leave. It is taking everything in me as a beekeeper not to be like, actually, I can tell you why. <laughs> Come on, this is very scary, staff. For weeks, her family was terrorized by these black and white beasts. They're black and white, huh? Okay. <laughs> Trying to better understand this situation, Heather's father took a dead bee to animal control to find out what to do. There was nothing they would do, so their answer was no help. I love how he brings the dead bee to be like, see, it's real. <laughs> There's a bee. There's it bees at my house. checks out. He wasn't lying about the bees. He's brought one in. Okay, sorry, sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of your story. I love it. Keep going. Early the next morning, he chained the tree to his work truck and ripped it from <gasps> the yard, dragging it far away from the family home. For Heather, that was the end of the hornets. So they're hornets, Brett. For me, that was the start of the swarm. 
the strange happenings surrounding her and her home began much earlier in her life. She told me of a time as a young girl she saw her dad transfixed at a back window, the room behind him illuminated by an eerie glow from outside. Is this where they got the moth problem? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go on. (laughs) Frightened, she ran to her father to get his attention and saw a dark circular object in the field behind her house. She showed me an arrowhead she found in her backyard, an out-of-place artifact for Kent Washington. By her sophomore year, she had nearly checked off every paranormal's most wanted list. Mysterious nature, UFOs, ancient tools, and soon hauntings. Though mostly filled with love and happiness, our relationship was like that swarm. Everything was new to us, and as life often does, it occasionally mixed in fear and adrenaline and awe. When we started sleeping together, we formed an attachment where we spent every waking moment in each other's arms, snuggled on a couch, eating macaroni and cheese with black pepper, and watching her big screen TV. Hanging near that massive television set was a gallery of family photos. Normal enough, with the exception of a centuries-old oval frame holding the image of a pinched-faced woman. Maybe she was scowling at us. Behind the woman was an amorphous face, so ghostly it freaked us out. Once we noticed the haunting image, the whole house let loose. In the basement family room, the temperature would fluctuate from hot to cold in seconds, then to comfortable again. We'd turn the TV off to leave the room seeking privacy to return with it on, blasting white static. In her bedroom, dancing shadows skipped across the walls, sending us fleeing from our embrace. Surely it wasn't our blossoming sexual relationship (gasps) that bothered the spirits, was it? Brett, a prude ghost, <laughs> jealous lovers of past lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For the remainder of our time at Heather's house, the spooks continued, and a creepy feeling hung over us every moment. Soon, her parents split and sold the house, and as most young lovers do, we broke up too. Now, all that's left at that time is the wisp of memory, shadowy ghouls, and girlfriend pooled into one singular haunting entity. I'm sure the house is still standing penned into denser development, but nothing more now than an overpriced 1970s era suburban abode. But I hope it is still a supernatural spectacle. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh teenage sex. <laughs> Flowy hippie skirts. I loved it. I love it. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, But also there were Native Americans in Kent, Washington, for the record. It's true. It's true. I'm just saying. And not all Native Americans have arrowheads, so maybe they didn't. Yes. Um, Love it. Okay, so let me see. What do we have next? Oh, this might be our last one. And it's a good one. I actually... Oh, yeah. I have have one to send us out on. Oh, do you? I do. Wonderful. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, this is my last one then. So this one was from my friend Alila Diane, who is wonderful, and she's an awesome singer, musician. You might have heard of her, and if you haven't, you should look her up. But not only to hear her wonderful, beautiful music, but you should find her on Instagram because the house I'm going to reference at the end of the story, you need to see pictures of it. We'll talk about that at the end. But this is her house that she just recently sold and it was this beautiful 1890s Victorian fucking farmhouse and it was so beautiful here in Portland, Oregon. So she lived in this house for years, 
moved out for a few years, had a baby, and then her family decided to move back into the house. They had rented it for a couple years or a year or something like that. So she says, like, the house never seemed haunted when she lived there the first time. Like, you know, it had an energy to it sometimes, but it like nothing weird happened and she wasn't scared by it in any way. But then when they moved back in with the kid, it just suddenly gave her the fucking creeps. And it would be like if her husband was gone, she would just feel really scared and just something felt not normal. And then when her daughter is like a very young toddler, things start to get really weird. And her daughter is like talking and starts saying weird stuff that she would be like, I saw the monkey. The monkey was bothering me again. Oh, no. (laughs) Her like two year old daughter would be like, the monkey was sitting in the chair in the middle of the night. And like she would just have these stories of this monkey who in her room would play with her at night, which is like totally creepy. Mm -hmm. So this kind of kept happening where the daughter kept talking about it. And then they also just like felt like there was something kind of bad in the house Mm -hmm. or haunted. And she, Alila, was at some artist residency and she was there. And there was, I guess, this like fiber artist who was there also who said when she heard this from Alila, she was like, I have a friend who's a witch. Oh, great. <laughs> who works <laughs> Who works with energy and clear spaces when weird shit's going on. So I guess Alila's like, you know what? Fuck it. And so she like calls this woman whose name is Mo, who lives in Portland. So if anybody knows a witch named Mo, <laughs> this is about her. <laughs> so Mo comes over to the house and I guess she came for like numerous sessions to the house, but like the family would leave so that Mo could do her stuff Mm -hmm. and Mo claimed that she would like bring her spiritual team like of the spirits that would work with her oh yeah and they would assess the situation and see what was going on and so they bring the family back in to like talk about it and they're like there's a mirror they Mo and her spirits are like (laughs) there there's a mirror in Vera's room and there is a trickster from another realm entering the room <gasps> through the mirror. Those are the words she used, a trickster from another realm. And she says, that's how it's getting in is through this mirror. And that the trickster was like obsessed with Vera and was associating her as sort of like this like magical little two-year-old that she just thought was just really she, the spirit, uh, she, <laughs> the, the fucking trickster, all right? was like kind of sometimes playing with Mira Mira fucking I can't speak (laughs) help help God Mo help me call on your spirit guides (laughs) to get you through this story Um, but yes Mo says like the trickster is like kind of playing with Vera and so Mo would do these sessions and she basically said that she cleared the room and cast a protective circle on the room and What's weird is that as soon as she cast it away, there was like a huge crash and something had come down downstairs. And apparently a picture that was on the wall of the piano had like flown off the wall and landed on the (gasps) ground. I mean, I don't know if it flew off the wall, but it was on the ground and there was a loud crash. But it was like the second that she said she like cleared the room. What was the picture of? 
Um, I've actually seen it before. I asked her that too. And it's this really pretty paper cutout in this big frame. Yeah. But after that happened, Vera never talked about the monkey anymore. And she started sleeping normally again. And like a few times she said, like, the monkey doesn't come anymore. And also, like, Vera wasn't seeing a monkey, like this trickster. Uh huh. But I think, you know, it's like a little kid's vision of what. Like maybe it had longer arms. Yeah. Like the way it moved. So like that's the word she had for it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it's totally crazy. That's so creepy. But two things. We are not talking about cancer, but Mo is a breast cancer survivor. Yay. Isn't that cool? Go Mo. Hi Mo. Um Okay. So the end of the story too. That's like a little side note. Alila just sold that house and bought an even bigger 1890s <laughs> Victorian house that is like so psycho. You have to go to her Instagram and see it. It's like a Victorian mansion. It's this big, white, magical house that she doesn't feel like is haunted, but maybe it has a, a little bit of an interesting energy in the tower. There's a fucking tower, of course. Oh, sure. Okay. But also why I bring up this house is this is Grandma Aggie's house from the Disney classic Halloween Town. <gasps> no! Have you seen this movie? I have children, Amy. So yes, I have seen that movie. Do you know Grandma Aggie's house? I sure do. It's amazing. That is hilarious. You can Google Grandma Aggie's house and then all these pictures and people are like, where's Grandma Aggie's house? And it's amazing. And her house is so cool. That's amazing. Is there any scarier decade when you're talking about ghost stories than the 1890s? Like 1830s. That doesn't sound as scary. <laughs> 1890s is where it's at. Seriously, like 1870s? I mean, yeah. But 1890s. Yeah, everybody's so buttoned up. And <laughs> I feel like a flapper ghost would be a lot more fun. You know, yeah, they're not menacing now. They approve of all your bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> they're the tricksters from another realm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just a trickster from another realm trying to have a good time. <laughs> um, What are you going to send us out on? OK, so this is a story from someone that I was told when I was a small child and it influenced my feeling Mm -hmm. about a particularly sinister holiday mascot. Mm -hmm. This is about Frosty the Snowman. I'm out of here. <laughs> it is you not. will not take down Frosty. <laughs> it is not. It is about the Easter Bunny. Ooh. I have a weird fear of the Easter Bunny. Okay. And this is why. <laughs> so if you know me and know about my Easter Bunny discomfort, this, this is the reason. So this person was a small child and woke up Easter morning early in the hopes that they could see where their parents were hiding the Easter eggs mm -hmm. and get a jump on their siblings in the Easter egg hunt. So they crept out of bed, their siblings still sleeping, and sure enough, the grown-ups were all outside in the fenced backyard hiding the Easter eggs. And this was, you know, early mid 80s. So they were the plastic eggs filled with like candy or whatever shit you crazy Christians do. And mm -hmm. the kid looks out 
on tiptoes to see out of the screen portion of their metal screen door that leads to the backyard. Mm-hmm. And as he's looking out, he sees his parents and his grandmother, who was there visiting, hiding the eggs. They're all holding big baskets full of the plastic eggs. And then to the left, still inside of the boundaries of their yard, he sees what he first thinks is someone in an Easter Bunny suit. But then he realizes is not someone in an Easter Bunny suit because the way that this creature is moving is far too organic. It does not look like it's um, fabric on top of a person or whatever. Mm-hmm. There were no zippers, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not It's not really cartoonish. It looks like if you imagine a real standing up Easter bunny suit, but, you know, it's, it's a real creature. Mm-hmm. So he sees it and he said, at first he was very excited because he thought, oh, they've gotten like a real legit, you know, Easter bunny to to come to Easter. That's so fun. But then he realizes, no, it's not fun. And the Easter bunny turns to look at him, starts walking towards him. And none of the adults seem to clock that there is this Easter bunny in the yard. They're just going about their business, hiding the eggs, even walking in front of the Easter bunny as it walks toward him. No. And the bunny is staring directly into his eyes, and he said he got this overwhelming feeling of guilt and shame and terror (gasps) because the way he told it to me is that the Easter bunny was telepathically conveying to him, (gasps) you cheated. You're spying on the egg hunt. Yes. And... The Easter Bunny is walking towards him, and just before the bunny gets to the steps that it would have to walk up to get to the door where he's peeking out, he turns and runs back to the bed, jumps in the bed, pulls the covers over his head, and he hears that screen door open and thwack closed. It was Frankie Chan. (laughs) (laughs) Posing with a model. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For his Instagram. Um, It it wasn't. It was his grandmother (sighs) calling to all of the kids to get up and come do the Easter egg hunt. And he said he was still thinking... Maybe they did really have somebody. Maybe it's, mm-hmm. you know, uncle whoever dressed up as a bunny. And he came out with his siblings to go do the Easter egg hunt. They're all in their pajamas and his siblings are so excited. He's not excited at all. He's still very scared. Mm-hmm. They walk out there and he said the bunny is still standing there at the corner of the yard. What? looking right at him, and he said he grabbed his brother's arm and said, look there. His brother looks right where the bunny is, doesn't see anything. 
He turns around to ask his sister if she sees anything. And when he turns back, the bunny is gone. No. <gasps> and how old was he when he was diagnosed with schizophrenia? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that terrifying? Yes, it is. So this is a 10-year-old, by the way, at the time of the story, Mm -hmm. which to me is too old to have, you know, like, it's it's not like it's a four-year-old who's like, the Easter Bunny saw me. This is like, I, and when I heard this story, it was like, he, he realized he was too old to have believed in the Easter Bunny for one thing and he said he remembers distinctly thinking like oh that's so cute and fun that they got somebody to dress up for us Um, so he's like it's not like I still believed in the Easter Bunny Mm -hmm. Um, but he said that sparked a years long lifelong fear of the Easter Bunny he said he still is vehemently opposed to holiday cheating of any kind (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it just cracks me up when um, when I heard this story, I too, I was so terrified and I now I'm also afraid of the Easter Bunny. I will never holiday cheat again either. <laughs> I'll never be a holiday cheater. Not even peeking in a white elephant gift bag. Never. Oh my God. Amazing. I love that. Well, shit. So this has been Cancer for Breakfast. No cancer podcast today that's right and if you are new to the podcast maybe you're just listening for the ghost stories and this is a lot like what our podcast actually is like but (laughs) about other topics but it feels a lot like this that's right I will say if you're brand new or if you aren't a cancer person please consider giving generously to Metaviver this October there is a very small percentage of cancer funding that goes toward funding research for stage four breast cancer. Mm. And, um, you know, we need it. It's the one that kills people. So yes, do it. If you enjoyed this, don't bother with our Patreon or buy me a coffee. Just give some dollars to metaviver.org. Please do. That would be wonderful. And fuck Pinktober, but... Boy, this was a blood red October here on Cancer for (laughs) Breakfast. That's right. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Take us out, Corey J. Brewer. Mm